fun drive, everybody. That was us burbling out of Niagara Moon by the Heartache String Band. I think that was what it was called. I quite liked that song. That wasn't part of the show, but that was that was very enjoyable, wasn't it? And this fun drive season is going to be very enjoyable. For everyone involved, we have an interview extravaganza with four, count them, four, you can't see my hand, this is radio, uh, interviews for you today. And uh, to kick off, though, before we have our first interview, we'll remind you of the fun drive prizes. If you call in now at 604-822-8648, that's, uh, uh, I think, donate, yeah. Um... You will. Uh, you can receive for thirty dollars. You can receive a personalized limerick for one hundred one dollars and ninety cents. One hundred one point nine. You can receive a monochrome artwork courtesy of our correspondent Lua Presidio. And for three hundred dollars, or is it two hundred dollars? It, it, it's a number larger than one and with two zeros after it. You can receive <laughs> a personalized painting. Wouldn't that be fabulous? Wow. Wouldn't that be great? Please give us money. We really need it. Apropos of that. Um, at how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? Um, for for those who are not sitting in studio right now, I'm sitting across from Matthew Rhodes, uh, decorated actor in in UBC theater, uh, also in musical theater troupe, which is where we originally know each other, yep. and currently the star of Gold Rausch, the all caps Chilean German play, which will premiere next Thursday at Freddie Wood Theater. That's right. Is that about sum it up? Yeah. Uh- yeah, so uh, Gold Rausch was written by uh, Guillermo Calderon. He's a Chilean playwright who mostly writes in America. Uh, and basically what happened was that a company in uh, Europe flew him in and said, we want you to write a play for us. And he wrote Gold Rausch. It's interesting because uh, he actually talks about writing. He writes in uh, Spanish and then his plays get translated into English normally. What happened with this one is that he wrote it in Spanish and then it got translated into German, and he decided to do his own translation for the first time from Spanish to English. And so this production here at UBC, opening next Thursday, is the both the Canadian, the North American, and the English language premiere of this play. That's like that's this almost Samuel Beckett move. Yeah. That really is very similar to it, because he would translate his work into Italian and back, I yeah. think, or in French. And, well, similar to Beckett, I've heard uh, Calderon um, described as being a person of great mystery in his plays. Is that sort of present in Gold Rush? What is the affect of this play? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, if you're a theater history major, you're going to love this play You're gonna, because you're going to see a lot of influences by Beckett and especially Brecht, in my opinion. Oh, sehr gut. Ve- sehr gut. Um, and if you're not a theater, uh, if you're not a theater major, then you'll also enjoy the play because... It's really just meant to be a fun comedy, uh, but a comedy that makes you think. Interesting. Yeah. And now, the the plot of Gold Rush, if, if I'm to get this right, is about uh, a German gentleman, Alexander, who goes to make his fortune in the States, and then uh, a, a, a frenzy for some variety of metal. Um, um, <laughs> uh, uh, I want to say I tin? Tin, maybe? Aluminum, possibly? Bismuth? Uh, is it bismuth? I feel like it's bismuth that comes into the picture. <laughs> Bismuth, yeah, I'm going with bismuth here. Uh, close. It's it's a little weird, so um, I'll I'll take you through. Basically, uh, all of you listeners, because I know you're going to come to the play, uh, you're going to walk into the Freddie Wood at seven o'clock, and you're not going to see your average stage. Basically, you're going to see the wall behind the stage. They uh, the set design is absolutely incredible. They they painted the entire back wall and all along the sides of the theater. So instead of seeing just, you know, curtains and a nice set, you're kind of just going to see what looks like a warehouse. Yeah. So you walk in, and as the pre-show goes on, you're going to start seeing uh, the film crew set up. So basically what the story of Goldrausch is about is about a – it's a play about a film based on a book about the beginning of the California Goldrausch. Or Gold Rush. I make that mistake a lot. I'm sorry. Uh, and so basically, uh, in early 15 or early 1800s, uh, California started to be settled by a man named August Zuder. Uh, he was from Switzerland, uh, and he basically created this massive farmland. It's abs- It was massive. And then gold was discovered on his property, 
and through people coming in and taking his land and panning for gold and leaving, stop uh, ending their contracts with him as workers and going to pan for gold, he basically lost this empire that he had built in California. Oh, that's tragic. Yeah. Uh, and so, well, to be fair, he wasn't a great guy. He did nope. some messed up stuff. Oh, that's where the Brecht element comes in, I'm assuming. Exactly. Uh, and so what this play actually revolves around is the fact that uh, this character named Oscar, who is uh, played by Karthik, he's a third year here at UBC in the BFA in acting program, absolutely hilarious. Uh, I just love getting to play off of him. He does such a great job, uh, and he gives you so much to play with. But Oscar reads uh, the novel Law or Gold, by Blaise Rendrars. And he becomes inspired by the story of Zutter and this man from, uh, from Switzerland who goes to America and becomes rich and then loses everything. And he kind of pushes aside the fact that he was a terrible, terrible, terrible man. Uh, and he... Uh, and so he creates this very sympathetic portrayal of Zutter in a film. What happens in the play is that he realized that there was something missing in his movie, and so he brings back some of the actors to shoot some extra scenes, but he also brings in other actors to shoot ah. other scenes, include, but involving the same characters. So what's really interesting is that it's a play all about uh, identity and about uh, identity of self and identity of other and identity of uh, who you're against and who you're with. And it's also, it also really involves uh, discussions around land and possession and the history of America. Jenny, who is our director, she's, uh, she's an MFA candidate here pursuing an MFA in directing. And she chose this play to be her thesis show because she really thinks that it comments on uh, what it means to be American and what it means to be, and for uh, the rest of us who aren't American, but still get to put on this play, it leads to discussions for us about what it means to be on unceded territory and what we do on here. It's interesting because there's that sort of inherent melange. One thing that strikes me as very interesting here is the presence of language because the law, I'm assuming, is a French novel. Yep. This is about America, and then there's the retranslations there. There's there's a lot of layers. Well, and what's fascinating is uh, Gray Clark, who, if you saw... Uh, much Ado About Nothing would have like thrilled you as Benedict. Mm-hmm. He's in this play. He plays Eric, who is a younger, good-looking uh, stud actor and gray for this pl- and he's also a uh, polyglot. That's the word, right? Mm-hmm. For speaking multiple languages. Yeah. I'm not good at words. Uh, but so he plays a, in the play the character is a polyglot. And so in the play, Gray had to memorize a passage in German, a passage in French, an, an extra two lines in French, and a passage in Italian. All pulled oh, out the from... the Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he... Uh, this play really plays with language. And uh, whether you consider English to be that's the language of this place or if there are other languages involved as well. Now, when we say German, uh, there's a piece in the play, I know this because I have a page from the script, where Alexander reads from a piece of paper. Yeah. He reads this. Blaise Gendrares, aus Sudamericanen, 1924, I don't know how to say that in German. Wir wollen nicht tarig sein, das ist so einfach, ist will so dumm, so bechem, da so gibt's will so well Gelegenheit, Davon wird man nix schlau, alle Welt ist schon tarig. Wir wollen nicht mehr tarig sein. Yeah, I know you like your German accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because my my my, uh, my grandfather uh, spoke German a little wow. bit, and it was it's there's there's still a little bit of it in my mother uh, in particular, sort of kind of peppers it into her speech occasionally. It's interesting. That's so cool. Very rarely, but yeah, occasionally. What is that? I know you have the translation of that. I have no idea what I just read. Yeah, so that is a poem by Blaise Renderars, uh, which... That explains it. After uh, being, after seeing how cool Eric is with his three languages, 
Alexander decides to translate this one poem, which was originally in French, and then Eric actually repeats the last two lines back in French. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the poem actually says, We no longer want to be sad. That is too easy, is too stupid, too comfortable. There's too much opportunity for that. One won't be able to make heads or tails of that. All the world is already sad. We no longer want to be sad. And I think you won't be sad when you come and see Gold Roush because it's a it's a very fun play with giving you lots to think about and talk about after. That was a terrific Sieg. So yeah, definitely check out Gold Roush, all caps. I, I, I saw the clip, it's in German, it's Gildrush. I'm yeah. like, I was like, that's going to be weird to say. On the, it sounds Swedish when I say it. But go check that out. It opens uh, next Thursday and runs for three weeks afterwards, courtesy of UBC Theater, constantly bringing us awesome material. Matthew, it was awesome to have you on the show. Great to have you, man. And uh, before our next interview, which we shall seek very quickly into Carly Pokerati and Jesus Christ of the Lost Years, I I have a lot of material on that. But first, Fun Drive. If you didn't hear me 15 minutes ago, please do call in at 604-822-8648. That's two donut. I, st- I think that is a mnemonic for... To- I, I don't know. Just d- please, uh, Fun Drive, 30 bucks, Limerick, 101.9, awesome artwork, $200 or upward, I don't know, even more awesome artwork, personalized oil paintings. You know, that that's a thing, right? That's a thing, right? It can oh. be. I, it can be, it can be, and you can make it a thing. A brief word from our sponsor while we, uh, while, while, while we shuffle a little bit. How do you listen to CITR? Do you stream it with your data? You could be getting it free on your phone with the already installed FM receiver chip, but major carriers have blocked access to it. If you want access to all your favorite CITR goodness on your phone, get involved. Visit freeradiomyphone.ca to see how you can get involved by contacting your carrier and signing our petition. And we're back! Uh, we're back, yes. Yes, yes, we are here! The good! I actually don't know if my German accent is good or not. That's that's one that I've always kind of felt a little conflicted about. Do You, you seem confident when you're doing it. I do seem confident, but I'm Got also a, a radio DJ. Mm-hmm. So, like, my trade is in unbased, is, is in baseless confidence. <laughs> That and an immense capacity for verbal backpedaling that often just ends up in stuttering. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm an actor, so a comedic actor at that. So I also have baseless confidence out the wazoo. So there I'm you go. not the one to help you here. Now, um, during that brief absence, uh, Matt is, this is not Matt doing a very in-depth vocal impression. Imagine. I have been joined here by Carly Pokerati, who is currently one half of the cast of Jesus Christ, The Lost Years. That's right. Which has just a downright amazing promotional, uh, what, what would you call this? little thing? Uh, a handbill. Handbill. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is a handbill then. Yeah. I always feel like handbills are folded for some reason. It didn't occur to me. But this shows like, uh, you know, uh, the cross as Monster Theater presents on it. Uh, JC's got sunglasses and a glass of wine. Kick it back. And I think a J in the other yeah. hand. Yeah. It's a tricky one to promote going around putting out posters around town because you have to hold up a poster with a Jesus looking like that and be like, it's a great show, I promise. Please let me put this in your shop window. I can imagine. Yeah. Is there Has there been any issues you've had with that? Um, well, we, t- we toured this show this past summer um, actually uh, on the Canadian fringe circuit. So we went to Winnipeg, Calgary, and Edmonton. And in Winnipeg, all of our, um, all of our posters got vandalized slowly over the whole festival so every day we'd creep out into the morning light and we'd see another one was vandalized and they removed the christ someone was going around cutting out with an exacto knife christ on all of our posters it was very bizarre and writing um jesus jesus only jesus on the thing on whatever surface was behind it so we ended up collecting pictures of all the vandalized posters which did well for our promo quite frankly that sounds very strongly like just one guy with a very specific complaint yeah and it was like he could hear me and i i I always i said he but i i just assumed but it, it was like i would be like oh look look here on this barrel this one has yet to be hit and the next day it would be hit it was like he was always one step behind us cutting up the poster this is this would be an interesting plot for a thriller. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That could be a fringe. That's show. our next show. There you go. You're writing it for us, Jake. Now, for the record, uh, uh, Jesus Christ: The Lost Years is a fringe show. Fringe mm-hmm. show. My New Year's resolution was getting that correct, and I've done it at least once. There you go. Um, some of us may be able to fathom what it is about, but just for more clarity, 
Could we unpack that a little bit? Totally, yeah. Um, so this show is a two-woman physical comedy that reimagines uh, a big plot hole in the Bible. So in the Bible, between the ages of 13 and 30, mm. there's nothing about Jesus at all. They just leave it out. There's nothing. So we make it all up, and we put it on stage um, to hilarious effect. And so it starts with uh, a teenage Jesus at the temple where he's left behind by Mary and Joseph, you know, a very famous story from the Bible. And when they come back to find him, um, they reveal to him that Joseph isn't his real dad and that's the first time that has ever been knowledge to him so that is huge life-shattering news for poor little 13 year old teenage Jesus so he goes on this epic father quest crosses the deserts meets all these crazy characters Mary Magdalene Judas you know Elvis Presley all your regular one of those is not like the others yeah yeah you gotta come see the show to find out why now that's that's very interesting to me well personally because one I, I really do love biblical comedy. Oh, great. There's, there's a lot of fun with that. And yeah. another, another thing is that the Arts Report has kind of, in past days, mostly because of our very close relationship with Pacific Theater, become something of a freelance theology podcast mm. <laughs> in a couple go. of ways. And one thing I kind of want to ask about is that this Fringe show was written by um, uh, written by Catherine Sanders, Bruce Horak, and Ryan Gladstone, who's directing this one. Mm-hmm. I just want to ask about the process of adaptation. Um, yeah, so it's uh, with all monster shows, they're really incredibly deeply researched, which is um, what makes them so exciting. So uh, they had the idea for this show in the early 2000s, uh, Ryan and Katie, and I think they ended up writing it in 2006 uh, with, along with Bruce with just mountains of research. So as much as they could uncover about the stories of, you know, what gospels were left out of the Bible, because I, I don't know if you, I'm sure yes, you know, tons of gospels exist that are more than just the four we know um, that they decided not to put in. So a lot of research went into it, and that's what's really exciting about the show is uh, no matter your biblical knowledge, there's something there for you. So it's hilarious on its own, and if you're a a devout theologian, you're going to get the really deep-cut Easter egg references that are in there. Of those stories, is there any particular one that sticks in your head? Um, uh, uh, Let me think. (laughs) Um, Well, I... there's um, Barabbas. I don't know if you yes, know. Yes, I do. <laughs> Barabbas is the the criminal. Yeah, yep. yeah. So when uh, J- Jesus meets teenage J- uh, Judas for the mm-hmm. first time, and Judas is up to no good, uh, spray painting a "Go Romans, go home" on a wall. <laughs> Um, he asks uh, Jesus to be his lookout. That's how they, they first strike up a friendship. Um, and Judas says to Jesus, okay, um, if you see anyone coming, just yell, Barabbas, Barabbas. So we, here we have, you know, young <laughs> Jesus yelling that way before that ends up, you know, sealing his fate There's a, years later. That's that's fun because I actually learned about Barabbas from, uh, like, I, I actually read the Bible fairly later. I think I read The Master and Margarita before that. Oh, I just bought that. It's, <laughs> a, it's a great book. I haven't read it, but I I got a really good price. There's so um, it's, it's a great book. And in that one, I really like what they do with Pontius Pilate in that book because mm. he has crippling hemicrania, which is migraine headaches. Oh, gosh. So Pontius Pilate just, God, just let me take a nap. Yeah. It's just, ah! Well, and then in the book implies that he has a brain aneurysm at some point. Oh, my gosh. But the... Spoiler. I just bought it. I'm kidding. Uh, is that a spoiler? I, think I don't know. They mention that. It's 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 a it's that's a gift that keeps on giving. There but you that go. really does recount the incident very interestingly. Yeah, nice. And Barabbas is in it at one point, and they're like, "Well, he's just a devil, but I mean, this guy's really annoying." Nice. Yeah. Oh and, man. And just for clarity, where can we go to see Jesus Christ: The Lost Years? Yeah. Um, I I would like to dwell on this a little more, but we have like a bunch of interviews. I hear that. Yeah. Um. We are at the Havana Theater, which is on the Drive, on Commercial Havana. Drive. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We sing that every day when we go to rehearsal. Not lying. <laughs> <laughs> um. And uh, so we're there from March 13th. So that's next Wednesday. Um. We run Wednesday to Saturday up until the 23rd. So March 13th to the 23rd at Havana Theater. Okay. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Definitely go check it out. Again, it seems like a very interesting show. Any other shows on the horizon? Planning anything for next Fringe? Um, with Ryan um, and uh, a friend Pippa Mackey, we're doing a show for the Fringe called Julieta Revenge Comedy. Um, not yet bringing that to Vancouver, but that one's going to be really exciting too, as you can imagine from the title. Now, I'm imagining Juliet is... The character from um, uh, what was that? Uh, Romeo and um, mm, Romeo and you're gonna um, get there. You're yeah. close. 
Romeo, Romeo and Beatrice. That's it. Mm. Yeah, Romeo and Beatrice. I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, yeah. that one. That one. That that, that yeah. was a good. That was a good play. I liked Feste in that one. That was <laughs> is a good character. And and the All the World's a Stage monologue also really good. There you have it. Yeah, yeah. Everything coming together. And and when and when Desdemona was killed, that was a great tragedy. <laughs> you well, actually, that one imagines what if Juliet doesn't die, and it it features five other women from Shakespeare's plays. So you're you're on the way. Desdemona's oh, not one of them. But, really? Because there was yeah. a good, good good night Desdemona. Good morning, Juliet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anne Marie McDonald. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, was some, well, definitely keep an eye out for that. Yeah, because I, I do like that concept. Definitely like the concept of Desdemona being able to get her own in. All right, Carly, it was lovely to have you. You as well. And we'll be sure to check out um, Jesus Christ the Lost Years. Now, as you may have been aware, FunDrive is still in progress. If you want to pay $30 for a limerick, you can do that. Just call 604-822-8648. If you want to pay $101.90 for personalized monochrome artwork, you can also call 604-822-8648. If you want to get a... uh, other personalized artwork for a larger sum of money, uh, you can call, uh, uh, I was going to make a joke there, but there is no commonly no. Oh, you can call 8675309. No, I'm kidding. Please Love do it. call 604-822-8648. We, we, we really would appreciate it. Um, we're just going to play a couple PSAs, and we shall be back with Angelica Perversky to talk about some interesting events for International Women's Day. Uh, hang tight. It'll be a bit of a ride. not just rich people that own the media. I own my 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 media. The Media Co-op is a grassroots national news network that's owned by its members. Join us today at mediacoop.ca slash join. Discorder, that free magazine from CITR, has been documenting the best in music, arts, and culture since 1983. Let's see what one man of prestige has to say about Discorder. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Dogg, and I fucks with Discorder magazine. How about that? (laughs) Smokey every day. Pick up a copy around Vancouver or f*** with Discorder online at discorder.ca. Well, you heard Snoop Dogg. Definitely call in and uh, f*** with... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how to self-censor for that, so it, was, it just sounded like I was attempting shoop, but uh, with a different thing going on. You know, as as you do. As you do when you're, when you're, when you're Jake Clark. How did I get here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, in case you're still listening to us, this is still the Arts Report, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam territory of UBC's Point Grey campus. I'm your host, Jake Clark, and we are joined by Angelica Perversky, who has been in the studio multiple times before. <laughs> yes. Hey, Jake. Nice to see you again. Uh, good to see you again. <laughs> How's life? Good. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain. Fun drive is in full swing. I did the phone shift yesterday, so I became like full... A very like middle Ontario salesman like hello there how much would you like to donate that'd be wonderful thank you so oh much oh my gosh that's a beautiful voice I love it thank you so much I do like Letter Kenny a lot uh, yes I can tell yeah that's <laughs> it is a great show yes. it's a great show you know <laughs> and now um you're here uh, though I think in something of an anomaly you're not here for UBC Slam specifically you're here for Turn It Up and Disrupt yes I am yes. and that is a not an event, but a series of events, a festival beginning tomorrow and going through to Saturday. Yes, that's right. Could yes. you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So on Thursday is the first day, and there is going to be a big festival happening at the Museum of Anthropology. And then on Friday, uh, from 2 to 7 p.m. in the Life Building, the old Student Union Building, the new Student Union Building, however you like to conceptualize that building, uh, there's going to be booths uh, from a bunch of various uh, organizations at UBC, such as SASC and uh, Black Student Union, UBC Slam, other people are going to be boothing. Um, And there's also going to be some workshops happening. And then at 4.30 to 6.30, there's going to be free performances from a bunch of different people. So we're going to have Missy D, we're going to have um, you know, myself, obviously, because, you know, I would love booking myself for, for things. Uh, there's going to be uh, a bunch of other poets, uh, Sandy Scofield. Um, uh, there's going to be Latin dance, rap. There's going to it's just going to be a whole big cabaret filled with 
amazing women uh, doing all sorts of different things. And then that's going to wrap up around 6.30. Um, everybody's welcome to come. It's totally free. Some amazing acts. And then on Saturday, there's going to be a big full day uh, happening in the old auditorium as well as the Frederick Lasser building. And tickets are 10 bucks to that. Uh, so that is kind of the only event that we have that's paid. And that day is going to have Indigenous burlesque. There's going to be DJ workshops, uh, poetry workshops. There's going to be two different plays happening, one about sexual consent and one about uh, one about. Oh, yes. One called Transcripts. How could I forget? This is like one of the main things that's happening. Uh, and that is a, a play that details um the lives of seven trans women uh, and it's like through monologues um i didn't know that was a play i, I heard about transcripts sort of yeah. through the grapevine yeah and i thought it was a speaking series yeah it is it is like a speaking series it's like a people are going to be it's kind of like a play where people have a script and they all kind of go one by one and they it's it's kind of it's theatery it's speaking it's a bit of a mixed bag of what it is but it's really interesting Basically a direct address, would you say? Yeah, yes, definitely. That's interesting because yeah. it seems that a lot of this is about, uh, it, well, it's explicitly said to be about influencing the narrative. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sort of wondering how that stands because uh, Virago Nation, yes. the indigenous burlesque troupe, they performed at Night Shift a little while ago. Yes, they did. That's Th right. They have a really fun show. They use... Um, They've come and get your love by Redbone at yeah. one point for their for their opening song, and totally. that's just insanely catchy. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of what we're doing. It's like, it's not necessarily, you know, an academic conference in the way that people are going to be talking about a lot of serious things in a really intense, rigorous way. Like, obviously, we're going to be approaching all those themes and all, and all the art, but the art is meant to be there to uplift and empower and leave people, you know, feeling good and like we can celebrate the success of women and celebrate gender diversity and all these things. And there's obviously, you know, there's, there's contentions with that, with the uh, expressions here. And we've had people in here for Growing Room, for example. Totally. Talking about the difficulties in organizing these events because of things like backlash, because of uh, struggles within the community. Do you see sort of that organizational difficulty here? Yeah, I think that there is a lot of different difficulties when organizing anything with a, an activist focus um, in the sense that, First of all, you're going to get backlash against people. You know, there's groups like the Men's Right Activist Club. There's groups like, you know, are they, they that shall not be named. Are they, are they, are they throwing their hands at you? And no, they, they haven't yet. But, you know, there's there's groups that we know of that exist on campus that are against just feminism, even in general. Um, and then there's also the struggle with us as how do we keep the programming and all of the stuff that we're offering to be as intersectional as possible and to include all of the diversity of identities that can be encompassed under, you know, International Women's Day, uh, which is a lot. Like, there's, we're really trying to be inclusive of non-binary people. Uh, obviously, we're very inclusive of trans people. Um, you know, uh, we're trying to be inclusive of every kind of femme that we possibly can. And in doing so, you know, we're learning a lot, too, because... Uh, to make an event as accessible as possible, you're obviously always kind of going through struggles and listening to the community and trying to uh, to make the best thing happen. And yeah, I, I gotta I gotta ask this: Do you ever feel the urge just kind of troll the MRA a little bit? Oh, so hard! Like the one thing that I absolutely hated was the other day. This was like maybe a few weeks ago. I was walking to class and there was literally security protecting them while they were handing out brochures about whatever, you know, gender roles or I'm not <laughs> sure whatever they hand out brochures about. But I was like, why is the security out here protecting these boys? You know, like when people are out there, you know, in the social justice center or other people are talking about, you know, indigenous rights at UBC or whatever, you see that like they don't get protected by security and they're the ones that often you know there's a lot of you know negative feedback that comes with that as well um so anyway so there was something about that that made me really upset but I definitely feel the need to like constantly just like find who's in the MRA and just be like oh do you want to go on a date with me <laughs> like like let's hang out <laughs> like you know <laughs> uh, that would be the, the thing about the mm -hmm. um the MRA is that I, I remember like before, like, actual 
fascists came around because they use a lot of the same terminology. Like right. the red pill community really did yeah. sort of morph into what the, the sort of situation we have now. Yeah, totally. And that I see them using the same language and it's really creepy. Yeah. Because the red pill community is creepy. Yeah, definitely. Like, like they're creepy, but they're not Nazis. And then yeah. a lot of them became Nazis. Yeah. And they're like a lot, not all, but a lot of them. And then like, yeah, I, I did just that organizational continuity is really sinister to me. Yeah. I feel that as well. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, overlap with their beliefs and like other white supremacist beliefs. And, you know, for all these reasons though, I welcome the MRA to come to our event and learn, you know, and unlearn some stuff that they might think that they know. Um, you know, and that's kind of why we do this, too. It's not only just to empower women and to give space to femmes and, uh, you know, all kinds of people that deal with oppression, but also it's to educate people that have a lot of privilege and don't necessarily, uh, you know, take the time to listen. So this is an opportunity for people to come out and listen to these experiences and hopefully become allies and learn how to become an ally. Yeah. If somebody can only make it to one day of the event, what, what what event would you recommend? Yeah, I would definitely say come out to the Saturday because that day is uh, our only, you know, full day. We're kind of referring to it as the main event. Uh, and we put the absolute most effort into getting that happening. So please come out to the Saturday. But if you can, also come out to the Friday. And obviously, if you can, then come out to the Thursday, too. Um, but yeah. Every day is good, but definitely I'm pushing for the Saturday the most because it's got all the good stuff. All right. That yeah. sounds pretty good. So if you can, definitely make it down to uh, – to, can't talk today. Hey, I've been, I've been <laughs> yelling so much about Fun Drive. Speaking of which – no, Fun Drive. <laughs> make it to turn it up and disrupt. Yes, I just needed to make sure do. I got the title correct. Correctly. Just go to the event. It's informative. Yeah. <laughs> Check out Turn It Up and Disrupt. And are you doing the th- – Thing at Cafe de Soleil this evening? I am doing a thing at Cafe de Soleil this evening. Yeah, one good turn. Yes, uh, tonight at Cafe de Soleil at 9 p.m. the show starts. Uh, come on down. I'm performing with some other poets and rappers and circus artists, and we're doing a whole Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> circus artists? Yeah, there's going to be some circus. There's going to be some contortion. Um, come on down. It's $5 to enter. You can just give me a handful of change. It'll be super fun. Get a smoothie. Cafe de Soleil is a nice place, too. When the phrase, there is going to be some contortion, is involved that's a pretty good sell <laughs> right I think so too and I feel like my friend Angela who's the circus artist and she's actually going to work with Cirque du Soleil pretty soon which is actually super dope so she's amazing um but anyway she keeps like underselling herself and being like oh people are gonna come for the poetry and like nah like people people know what the poetry is but people haven't seen contortion before you know and they have never seen if they have seen that they have never seen contortion and poetry together as one you Unit. So I feel like you probably hope actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because if they have, I feel like, oh wow, where like is that happening? Yeah, you get some interesting hobbies. Yeah, exactly. It, the contortion writer. It's kind. It's mm. kind of funny. Is that when, when you're putting on a show, when you get, when you get the feeling like, you know, I'm gonna put this on, but I would also think someone was weird if they went to this. Yes, exactly. You ever have that? I've, I've written shows like that. Yes, I totally feel that. I totally feel that. <laughs> so go check that out this evening, Cafe du Soleil. But definitely check me out. Definitely go to Turn It Up and Disrupt. Yes. That is this weekend a fun time. And if you want to also patronize poetry but feel like just doing it by phone, we have Fun Drive, which is 604-822-8648. For $30, you can get a personalized limerick. Wow. Yes, that is that that that's the, that's the same ballpark. That's um, really good. Only $30. For 101.9, for $101.90, you can get a personalized monochrome artwork, courtesy of our correspondent, Louis Presidio, and courtesy... And for $200, $300, you can get a really awesome multicolor piece of artwork, also from correspondent Lua Presidio, uh, who will be joining us briefly uh, after these messages. Smooth. Smooth jazz. Is- Do you recognize the song playing in the background? plays every hour on the hour as part of our flagship station ID. If you do recognize this song, chances are less than 1 in 12 that you have donated to CITR. 
That means 11 out of 12 of our regular listeners are getting our content for free. So naturally, we called local businesses to see if we could get that kind of a deal. Here's how things went when we called Antisocial Skateboard Shop. Hello, Antisocial. Hey, what's up, bruh? Chillin', who's this? You don't know me. You sound like Cassie, but I don't think that's who this is. I'm not Cassie, is she hot? <laughs> what's up? What's up? Okay, I'm calling with a kind of a far out question. Okay. So, I've been down on my luck lately, sleeping in my homie's kitchen on an air mattress, like actually, like I'm not even kidding. And he just had this crazy party, and this chongo stole all of our decks. Wow. I know, whack. I was wondering if you could do me a solid and throw me, like, 12 decks for, like, the price of one. Are you crazy? I mean, that's insane. No, I can't do that. No. Would you do me, like, any solids, though? Like... I mean, we can't really... We uh, The boards aren't marked up very much, so we can't do... They're kind of just like a set price. We can't really do much on them. If you get a whole setup, we give you 10% off, but that's probably not what you're looking for. You can show your support right now on your mobile device or computer by heading to citr.ca slash donate. Or in person and over the phone during our annual fundraising week, February 28th to March 7th. Donate to keep CITR weird. Concerts present Cherry Glazer on tour to support their upcoming new release, Stuffed and Ready. See them live Friday, March 8th at the Rickshaw Theater with special guests Pale Hound. Tickets are available online and at Red Cat Main Street, Red Cat Hastings, and Zulu Records. Do you recognize the song playing in the background? And we're back! We got some awesome shout-outs here for you for a few events that are coming right up. Uh, you know what's also awesome? Fun Drive, 604-822-8648. <laughs> um, just to be clear, 30 Limerick, uh, 101.9, awesome monochrome artwork from... Me, Lua. I actually have two really interesting things to talk about. Um, one of them is The Good Bride that is going on. It's a play. Really interesting play, by the way. And it's basically about this girl. She's a 15-year-old Catholic girl. And it's a one-woman show. And she's basically talking to the audience or talking to God, praying. She's having all these conversations uh, during the show. Because she's waiting for her groom, a 28-year-old man. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Awkward. And my first reaction was like... Awkward? Yeah, that's the <laughs> word for it. It was like, what? what is going on? What is this? But then, if you actually go into it and look at more in depth, this show was actually created based on true events, on true stories. So the writer oh, of the man. show, and do you want to open up? Yes, I can. Because <laughs> I don't have it open up that, right now. That's right. It's a, this is, uh, I, I remember this is, because yeah, it's, it's, so it's, it's a specific sect too, right? Yeah. It's the uh, Quiverful, I want to say. It's on the, it's in the fire hall. Fire yes, hall? fire hall. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the venue. And yeah, so it's it's the quiver uh, Quiverful here. Maranatha is her name. That's different. Um, so it's based on true events where the author of the play actually went on these um, Catholic dating sites and talked to a lot of women to just know about their experiences and wrote a play based on these conversations that she had. Um, interesting, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. So it's, it's, it's very... Rosemary um, Rao is the playwright, yeah. It's, um, it, it's very disturbing. The first time I read it, I was like, okay, I'm kind of disturbed. Why is this girl so happy about this? But then once you kind of understand the mentality um, and this entire like situation and then her view on the world. And the thing is, it's not that she's not smart. She is a very smart girl. She just has this 
she's kind of naive and innocent and she kind of wants to take see like have all these grand things happen to her but then at the same time um from a outside perspective you know it's kind of like um maybe you're not going in the right direction with this that's like well yeah you could easily say that <laughs> that's that's almost certainly true legally that is true uh that's it's it's weird when this is being approached right because this is about these like these sects like um well i think that another analogy is like the pentecostals in the states like in a lot of these um very like uh let's just say far backwards Pentecostals and they'll get themselves snake bit to get closer to God. And yeah, okay, that's that's probably accurate. You are getting closer. Uh you might see him in person. But it's like, what do you do about that? Because it is, you know, a very uh well it's a contentious topic because it is about to a degree about religious expression. And I also think it's very interestingly done because uh, it does take it is a very much modern take on it where this 15 year old girl is kind of um, as the the media release describes it talking to, to God as if he was a YouTuber like a YouTube fan and she's the YouTuber so uh, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting God watching uh, PewDiePie okay <laughs> the other thing that I want to mention that is coming up this month actually March is such a busy month so many things are coming up it is but this is one thing I do want to highlight because I saw it at VIF last year and I absolutely loved it and I really want you guys to check it out because um, not sure when it will be back but basically I don't know if you guys will remember but level 16 yeah is coming back and for and this time for the full release in theaters it will be coming to Vancouver it will be at the real theater on March 17th uh, starting on March 17th uh, so that is next 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 week next Sunday I believe I heard great things about that yes next Sunday it is an absolutely amazing movie almost entirely female cast um, writers direct, like all like in cast almost entirely female cast and, cast and crew um, extremely well done uh, the director Danishka uh, Esther Hazy Danishka Esther Hazy yes she she actually wrote this film 10 years ago and t- and only made it uh, last year right because when VIF was uh, last year's VIF it was released in for the festival series mm-hmm. um, and 10 years ago like can you think like like really think about it Th- 10 years ago and this movie is still as relevant today as it was 10 years ago so this is a dystopian, dystopian fiction. It has traces. It has very a lot of things that reminded me of The Handmaid's Tale, and mm. um, even perhaps a little bit of Brave New World, where they have to like take pills to be healthy and that kind of stuff. But it's the level sixteen is the it's a school where each class stays at a level and you progress and you go to higher levels and level 16 is the last level of the school and after that you graduate as a perfect lady to be adopted by a family and throughout those 16 or whatever some years that you've been trained in that house you've been learned to be clean you uh like they have certain words that describe who like what they should be and those are um i'm let me see if i can remember them correctly but it's something like clean oh yeah obedience cleanliness patience and humility so basically being a submissive woman yeah yeah, i'm Um, seeing the handmaid's tale right yes it does have a lot of traces of that however it has such a big twist the thing about this film is it's in this twist that i did not see it coming at all at all at all like there was, was not something i could imagine um it's just I don't want to spoil it. Like, I want you guys to watch it because it's such an amazing movie. It was filmed in Toronto. Um, so it's, like, completely Canadian content. And it's just so amazing. Um, and it brought so many thoughts into my head about, like, not only uh, women's place in society, but, like, how we trained, like, even today, we kind of trained women to act a certain way compared to men. And 
yeah like i love dystopian things um (laughs) so it's got my heart (laughs) i think there's a reason why a lot of dystopian fiction is being considered relevant you know as (laughs) reattaining relevancy wonder what that could be i wonder handmaid's tale is interesting to think of too in this context because that's been that's but that book's been around for quite a bit like it's been and it's been redone as well with the tv show or the movie with faye dunaway (laughs) From back in the 80s. I haven't watched that. It really wasn't good. <laughs> it was really, like, there's uh, there, there's there's been a few missteps made in that respect. The show I've heard is quite good. Does, really does, like, the, the imagery in it, like, especially with the, uh, the red. The imagery is absolutely stunning. However, I found that because I'm such a huge fan of the book, and I also understand that a lot of people who started the book could not finish it because it is kind of... It's, it's a very hard read. Yes. Um, but I am a very big fan of the book. And I feel that it did capture some of it, but it definitely is changing a lot of the story to suit it better. Hmm. It's interesting how that's played. There's, um, you know what would be weird puppetry? In, in what? In the, the, in the Handmaid's Tale, very much so. Uh, but I'm thinking uh, just in terms of puppetry for adults. You don't see that happening very often. But there is uh, stuff that go, that goes on. Like um, during Halloween, for example, we had... Um, what was it called? Oh, the... the, 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 the yeah. Uh, was the... I was at the show. It was on Granville Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the... Yeah! Uh, the, 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 the naughty, well, there's the naughty holiday cabaret. Yes, that one. Too. I remember that one, uh, despite my best efforts at the time. It wasn't a bad <laughs> show. I was just kind of hammered. Um, and I, I distinctly remember that's what this reminds me of. Not a Handmaid's Tale. I want to be clear. I've just failed the transition for that <laughs> so badly. Um, before we go into that, however, uh, just to be clear, fun drive, still a thing, didn't change from 10 minutes ago, uh, that's 604-822-8648, come on, you gotta wake up our phone operators here. Now, yeah, they're waiting for your call. Exactly. And don't forget to pledge to Arts Report, cause you could get a commissioned art print exactly. from me. Yeah, isn't that awesome? It's commissioned art, and it's from Lua, like those two things, both awesome. <laughs> so, double awesome, right? Or... If, if you're tired of awesome, you can, like, get a limerick from me. So that's also available. <laughs> it's also awesome, guys. Puppetry! Uh. Right. So back to puppetry. There is a puppet show for adults. Yes, there up. is. And it's in Surrey. Um, so that routine writes itself, really. Um, but the show is uh, Metamorphosis at the Center Stage at Surrey Civic the center stage at Surrey City Hall. Does uh, anyone paper... turn into cockroaches? Well, <laughs> I'm actually not aware here. It's on March 13th, which is next Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, it's a series of vignettes, kind of similar to, I got to imagine, to the uh, poem Metamorphosis by Ovid. You know, those really, really influenced Billy Shakespeare. I, I, I really like the, I, I really like those. Uh, so... That's kind of what this sounded like to me. Also, I feel like there is, you know, there's there's some scenes going on in Surrey, and like we've had Langley Civic Theater on here too, and they're gonna probably make a small appearance later in the show. Stay tuned for that one. But there are scenes, you know, sort of outside of Metro Vancouver that we haven't given a lot of attention, and the reason is we're at UBC and it's hard for us to get there. But there and is, you know, all commuters mostly. Mostly, we don't have cars to go mostly although a large portion of ubc's student body does commute from places like surrey and new west so i do i I do have to say that they're probably hearing us now and like oh come on and get two hours dog leg bus and a (laughs) sky train every day you have to get up and go 30 minutes on the 99 i'm like eh, true true uh that's just yep this is a reflection well not not for much longer uh uh, that'll be, that's for another day. But yeah, this is Surrey Civic Theater, Metamorphosis, courtesy of Bernd Ogrodnik, uh, uh, which is a delightfully eclectic cast of characters brought to life, ranging from intricate hand-carved marionettes and rod puppets to unusual characters created simply from silk scarves or Ogrodnik's own hands and feet. That sounds pretty fascinating to me. That also sounds very much 
very much like the Naughty Holiday Cabaret, because they had some very interesting stuff there that I did review when we talked about that. Again, that is Center Stage at the Surrey City Hall, which is an, also an awesome tongue twister, uh, next Wednesday at 7.30. Tickets are from $25 up. And one more thing that's happening uh, until the 10th, so this weekend, is the Vancouver International Women in Film Festival that is happening until the 10th, and the Vent City that's Theater right, yeah. downtown. And Warrior Women, um, and sorry about that. Uh, so one, uh, there's going to be a world premiere of Warrior Women, which is a doc- resistant documentary featuring Lakota activists Madonna Thunderhawk and her daughter Marcy Gilbert. Um, so yeah, these are some really cool things that are going on this week and next week. Be sure to check them out. You know, you know what's also cool? Mm. Magic. Magic is so cool. I really want to go to a magic show sometime soon. Well, <laughs> you might be able to do that because also next Wednesday, you know, remember I said March is busy, Camilla the Magician is on at the Norman Rothstein Theater. Where is that? Uh, the Norman Rothstein Theater is in Carisdale. It's actually where MTT has been holding their musicals. I live there. Okay, I can yeah. go to that. <laughs> for, the, for the past little while. Um, and uh, Camilla the Magician here has um, done, the show is organized around, uh, shall we say, the principle of surprise. And that's kind of the principle of magic in general. That's something magic shares with comedy. But the he advertises the show as a journey. Uh, quote, it's not just illusion after illusion. Which makes it interesting, which is interesting to me because we've seen, for this show, a little while ago, I saw a collaboration between a magician and a composer at the, I believe it was at the Orpheum in downtown Vancouver. And there's interesting things you can do with that. It'd be similar to dance in that respect, I would say, because in dance, you're really, you're embodying the music in a lot of ways. There's equally sort of, not non-verbal, but almost anti-verbal expression. And then you got magic. Where you're purposefully deceiving your audience. Exactly. <laughs> this is a lie. Lie. Magic, though, is it's a lot like, you know, how did you do that? I love, like, like if I don't leave a magic show thinking, like, okay, how could he possibly do that? Then it wasn't worth it. <laughs> it's like, well, it's like watching The Prestige. Like, that's that that movie's great. And that movie gives you a real sense of the, like, just the, the amount of work and the amount of forethought that goes into putting these tricks because that's what they are on like in the the up until a certain point in history probably still now there's a very real physical danger to doing that <laughs> like trapdoors gravity magic <laughs> just to be clear fun drive is still going 604-822-8648 if you want to make some magic happen commission some limericks or some artwork you know $30 a limerick 101.9 for artwork 200 up for uh personalized Non-monochrome artwork. Painting. Painting. <laughs> like a canvas. Like a canvas. With that, I had a thought, but I forgot it. Oh, yes. That is right. We have a lovely interview here, courtesy of our correspondent, Silvana, who is currently in studio and has been nervously gesturing towards the computer for some time. <laughs> Want to introduce the interview there, Silvana? Mm, hi, Dick. How are the you? Microphone. I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah, like on the note of the Women Film Festival, like this movie will be airing in the Van City Theater um, on March 7th. It's by Anna Valine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a bunch of movies that are going to be uh, they're going to be presented uh, as Lua previously said. So it's March 5th to the 10th. If anybody has some time, it's really it's a really promising festival. Um the movie that like Anna directed is called Once once there was a winter. Once there was a winter. Yeah. That's got a nice. That's got a nice ring to it. Yeah, it does. Um, but it's actually kind of a thriller. Ooh. Once there was a winter. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Let's I figure out what it's about. Yeah. It's also we did it in, in like open air in a nice little uh, park. So, hope the I hope the sound is okay. It was done during the winter though. Mm, well, we are in the winter, technically. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's layers to it. Let's see yeah. what that's about. Hi, my name is Silvana Martinez, and here I am sitting with Ana Valin, filmmaker, 
uh, that's gonna present her movie Once Upon a Winter in the Women Film, Film Festival coming up in it'll play on March 7th at 6pm at the Van City Theatre Seymour and Davy. Hi Anna, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> of course. Tell me, how was the process? How did you come up with the idea? Okay, so the movie is called Once Upon a Winter, and um, it was inspired by a time when I was in my late 20s, working in the north on the pipeline, and I heard some various stories and had some various experiences um, that kind of led to this story kind of stewing for 20 years, and... Um, Yep, and it came out. <laughs> um, I wrote it in three weekends, and um, then we actually made it within the year, and it was a really quick turnaround. We went up and we filmed right near Dawson Creek in northern BC, so we did a full immersion filmmaking process in the snow That's in an cold. abandoned trailer. <laughs> so, yeah. That sounds like a very tough film task. How did you find that process? It was, I think it was really good for the story, and mm -hmm. it was a really good, you know, I joked a lot that it was kind of full method directing, mm -hmm. but it really was. Like, there really was no running water in the trailer, and wow. uh, we had to go an hour early to start the wood stove so that it would be warm enough to be filming in there. And I think wow. everybody kind of really felt the isolation and the intensity of the story. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was just such a small group of us doing this big project. And it was a very kind of intimate yet really tense experience. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really intense. How do you usually come up with the with the stories that you decide to put into film? And is it easy for you to translate what you write and what you see as an experience in translating it into a film? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say that half of the stuff that I make is from my own imagination. And then uh, the other half is from either, like, I've done a couple adaptations from books. And then uh, for the nonfiction stuff, I'm usually inspired by someone's stories. So, you know, those become sort of documentaries. Um, so, yeah, inspiration can come from anywhere. And then you just have to sit, sit with it for a while to see if it's going to make a good story. Like, if that idea has enough meat on it to meat. translation translate into a full story that's really interesting how did you sit with this idea you said that it was kind of in your in your brain for a while mm -hmm. mm, what was like the moment in which you knew that you had like a story in the making um at very early in my career i actually wrote it as a short story okay And I submitted it for funding, and um, the jury said that it was a it was a great story, but it was too big for a short story. So I just tucked it away because I wasn't ready to make a feature yet. Mm -hmm. um, and then for this one, after I finished my first feature, I wanted to do something quite a bit smaller, where I had more creative control, and I didn't know what to do. Um, and then this one just popped into my head, like kind of bubbled up from the past and yeah. was like, yeah, that's ready to be made now. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the pipeline. Did any of like anything that was in the news uh, back in the day, like maybe do you think that it triggered something in your subconscious? Mm -hmm. Like, oop. It might have. It wasn't intentional, that's for mm -hmm. sure. Um, it was, uh, if it was from that, it was very subliminal. Uh, if, but I would say it wasn't entirely not politically motivated because I was really looking at nature and what we do to nature and the masculine-feminine aspects of us, our parts, and the planet. And yeah, so it really is a really is a story about kind of I guess man versus nature in some weird way. And the story actually isn't about the pipeline, although it, mm -hmm. it really is about nature. So, yeah. It is about nature. In That's a strange a, way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is a very nice way to put it. Like, mm, maybe why, like, the pipeline is, 
like so political right now like it's just a, a small part of the big story which is like how and then what are we doing to nature and how what are we doing in general like to live does that have anything to do with how we treat the earth and how we treat each other for sure i think that um, so much about how we how we treat the feminine aspects of ourselves and yeah. each other and that definitely relates to how we um, how we treat the feminine aspects of the earth and the universe and we have spent um, centuries uh, trying to conquer the feminine aspect and yeah. try, trying to make that aspect of ourselves be submissive and we've been honoring for way too long the aggressive masculine side That's so really uh, we're way out of balance um, I'm really drawn to um, to Aboriginal artists right now mm -hmm. um, and just seeing how they're bringing forward again um, ritual and respect and um, you know how they're bringing that forward again in a way that's uh, reframed in a really contemporary way mm -hmm. that makes it really obvious that it's still relevant and necessary. That's true. I'm really glad your movie is coming out and that is contributing to that relevancy definitely so I hope everybody go see the movie uh, where is it exactly again? Um, thank you, it is uh, at the Van City Theatre which is at uh, Seymour and Davy. Um, so yes, it's uh, playing Thursday night, March the 7th at 6pm and it's part of the Vancouver International Women in Film Festival Thank you very much, Anna. Thank you. <laughs> I hope everybody goes. Thank you for listening. That was a wonderful interview there, Savannah. Now, uh, we're just going to wrap up the show. We've already gone a little over long, but we've had some awesome content for Fun Drive! Uh, now, just for... Ah, you thought I was going to plug it then. Wait a couple minutes. Um, firstly, there's a thing in my uh, my neighborhood there, which is actually Kitsilano, which is something that, uh, you know, this is this might be the dad event, which is a classic rock sing-along in St. James Community Square. Um, this is something we sort of heard about. That's in Mel Lehan Hall in St. James Community Square. Uh, tickets are just shy of 30 bucks, I believe. And that is on this Friday. Uh, it's a community event. It's something you see a lot of posters for my neighborhood, and we got an email about it. So I thought, you know, it'd be nice to put it out there. Like, community is an important thing, you know. Apparently, there's a loneliness epidemic because we got to add, you know, more epidemics and wars to you know, the ones that are already there. War on drugs! Sure, let's 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 pick a conflict we can win. Uh, things like that. That was an editorial about the Nixon administration. Now, uh, there's one thing we kind of want to close it out with, which is a return to, once again, our, uh, our old friend uh, Pacific Theater, which is currently running Jesus Freak by Peter Boychuk, who is a UBC professor uh, and, as may be understood, playwright. Um, this play is running from the 1st to 23rd, and I recently saw it. The basic premise of this is that um, Clara Campbell returns home uh, to her parents, Nate and Susan, and her brother, Alan. Uh, no, sorry, her, her parents, Alan and Susan, and her brother, Nate. Uh, yes, that was, that, was, that, was, that was smart of me. Um, and she has found religion. She has become a uh, Christian. Her, her father is a environmentalist, a government employee. Uh, her mother is a writer. Uh, her brother is an actor. And uh, point of acrimony is he's also, um, he's also openly gay. And he's rather conscious of the, uh, to put it mildly, acrimonious relationship between the church and homosexuality. Um, the play is actually quite interesting in terms of how it plays this dynamic because Clara joins uh, the finds religion in Montreal. Uh, there's how she finds it is quite is actually a bit of a twist in the play, and it is interesting how that comes about. But um, she joins a very a very modern, very uh, progressive church, and there's something for me that I find very interesting is that this is a play held in itself an Anglican church, and she joins a, uh, what I would call a mod prod, a very modern Protestant denomination of Christianity, which I have, you know, I, I don't believe, so it's hard for me to pick a bone with their understanding of scripture, but I do have contention with their aesthetic. Uh, I'm not a big Hillsong fan, you know. Um, but I do understand the appeal of it. I do understand um, how it's characterized, which is as sort of a, um, 
a bit of clarity in a very hectic and demanding world. And uh, there's also a very interesting thread throughout that Clara is a huge fan of fantasy fiction. She's a big she's reading Neil Gaiman at one point, and she her father gets her a gift certificate for a bookstore that has every Terry Pratchett every Discworld book rather. Uh, which I can completely relate to, um, because it, look at me. Well, this is radio, but come on. Um, Alan is played by Ron Reed, the father, and it's very interesting to see him play this because, according to him, uh, his his daughter actually went out to Defino, where this is set to surf, and there's a very interesting dynamic to that. It's really interesting to see this sort of um, oh, um, Michael J. Fox is it Growing Pains? It's sort of an almost an Alex P. Keaton relationship. To um, to this to the to the dynamic here, but not entirely. It's it's not a defiant one, but it is one where the family has trouble grappling with this. Now I can think of a few different things to come out with, but that's you know in my experience, there's there's something to this that feels very West Coast about it, not just because of where it's set, but because of the the tensions therein. And I think it's interesting in light of that. It really is. And it's actually quite interesting that this very loaded title comes from a play that really is um, a play, again, it does really tap into that sort of growing pain style relation. And I think that's very interesting considering um, a lot of people seem to, I don't know if this is true or not, but allegedly there is a wave towards uh, traditionalism. This is usually said by people who are attempting to recruit for those causes uh, in the young people of today. Uh, again, I'm not sure if I believe that, but there is something to that, and there is something to these points of crisis that do provoke this. And uh, I don't want to say this plays a sign of the times, because by Boychuk's own admission, this was written in 2014 when, uh, quote, back then, pot was illegal, Stephen Harper was still the prime minister, the Gian Gameshi scandal was just breaking, and the United States was the envy of every left-leaning Canadian because their president was a Harvard-educated black man with a gift for oratory. Um, oh, how times have changed. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say that, you know... I, I, that that uh, coming from my family, I will I will say that my my father probably has about the same uh, outlook on organized religion that Alan does, and and probably so do I. Uh, in in some respects, in this play, not 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 as dogmatically, I would say, but that's uh, that's for effort on my behalf on my part, and it's really interesting to think of that because I when I was a young man, I read a lot of Christopher Hitchens, and Thomas Paine shows up in this. So it's very interesting to see how that comes into play. I feel like I'm being a little bit elliptic here, but to talk about the conflict in this would kind of spoil the play because there is, there's a lot of fine acting in this and it was interesting to see. So that specific theater, doing their thing. Check them out if you can. And that runs until the 23rd. Now, in case you forgot about Fun Drive, that is still going on. Our phone operators are sitting out there valiantly keeping watch for your generosity. So please do call in 604-822-8648. For Limerick, 604-822-8648. For personalized monochrome artwork, 604-822-8648. For personalized painting, 604-822-8648. Also, they are going to stay here until I believe midnight. Yes, they are. So, so if you if you if you like to do late night crank calls, do it sincerely and give us money. Um, are crank calls still a thing now that message boards exist? Anyway, uh, this has been the Arts Report. I'm Jake Clark. I'm Lua. I'm Silvana. And cheers and happy fun drive. We we really couldn't do it without you. We mean. It. plays every hour on the hour as part of our flagship station ID. If you do recognize this song, chances are less than 1 in 12 that you have donated to CITR. That means 11 out of 12 of our regular listeners are getting our content for free. So naturally, we called local businesses to see if we could get that kind of a deal. Here's how things went when we called Budgie's Burritos. Budgie's Burritos. Hi. Hey, I was wondering if you have any kind of deal on right now where I could get, like, a dozen burritos for the price of one. No. Okay. Do you have any promotions on right now?